Masechet Nazirdaf Membet. We're going to be seeing some interesting Mishnayot today about a, naz- a Nazir shampooing his hair. Does he have to worry that by rubbing it, then uh, he will cause some hair to fall out? Uh, also, if a Nazir is Tameh ready, does he violate if he becomes Tameh once again? If since he's already Tameh, how many times would that happen? All right, we'll see that soon. But first, we're going back to that Mishnah in Masechet Negaim that said there are three people that have uh, that have to uh, shave their hair, and they have their laws in common. The three are the Mesora, the Levi, and the Nazir. They all have to use a razor, and they have to shave all their head. If they don't, all of their hair. If they don't use a razor. Or if they leave uh, leave over even just two uh, hairs, two or more hairs, then it's as if they did nothing. They did not com- they did not complete their obligation. They leave just one hair. That's okay. All right. So now, um, based on that Mishnah, um, we have an important statement. Amarav Acha Bered Rav Ika. Ravacha says um, that we're going to learn from here, meaning from Nazir, that in general, they we apply a principle that a majority is like all of it, and this, and we're going to learn this from the Torah itself. So there's a legal fiction. Uh, that generally, when you need to do something, but you did most of it, then we can consider most of it as if the entire thing is done. Now, this is not true over here regarding Nazir, um, but that's from this rule, we can learn that everywhere else is not so. So, in other words, because the Torah, Rachamana, Hashem said regarding Nazir, let's look at that Pasuk inside. Um, We're talking about a Nazir who in the middle of Nazirut suddenly became Tameh Lamet. So we're talking about a defiled Nazir. He didn't want to become, he didn't want to, uh, he didn't want to become Tameh Lamet. He did in the middle. So, Notice the double language. First it says, he shaves his head. And on the day that he will be purified, on the seventh day, he shaves it. So this is, twice. Um, from this context here, we learn that this Nazir, the Nazir has to shave every single hair because it says it twice. But that's only here, hacha. When it has to, when it's total, ah, but we can learn from here. Why does it have to go out of its way to specify over here every single last hair? Because if it doesn't specify it, meaning everywhere else in uh, in the Torah, as long as you have the majority, that's sufficient. So, what other cases would that um, would that um, uh, apply to? Um, it seems that's applying to the Levi and the Mesora. And so Rav Ahaz derivation here is actually arguing with the Mishnah. The Mishnah said all three have to cut every single hair, right, down to zero or one. And he's saying, no, look, this Pasuk only says it regarding Nazir. And that means in other cases, the majority is fine. And you can use that legal fiction for a Levi and a Mesora. Okay, that's Rav Achaz Chidush. Now, Matkif la Rabbi Yoseh Rabbi Hanina. Hai ben Nazir Tamekitiv. Rabbi Yoseh, other other versions have a different name here, but whoever it is, um, said, wait a second, that pasuk that you pointed to that has the double igalechenu is talking about Nazir Tameh. So according to you, only at Nazir Tameh 
who has to, who has to do the the uh, um, ritual in the middle of Nizidu to restart. Only he has that obligation to cut every single hair, and if he leaves two, it's no good. But a tamir a nazir tahor, according to your opinion, a nazir tahor, he reached all the way to the end, and he's doing his concluding ceremony. He could do the majority of his hair, and we we would apply um, uh, 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 we would apply to according to you. And that's crazy because that's against the Mishnah, it's against our whole discussion we've been having so far. So, are you really going to take this so far that you're going to apply the legal fiction? to all the cases of the Mishnah, right? And and you're going to say the realist position, one that you really have to take off every single hair. You're going to say that only applies to Nazir Tameh. So that's Rabbi Yosef's objection. But Rabbi Yosef got harshly criticized. Machaku When they heard what he said in the West, in Eretz Yisrael, they laughed at him. Now this is unusual. A lot of times you have uh, uh, sages disagree with each other. But to mock one another, Right, that is somewhat rare. Um, although it does it does appear a number of times in the Talmud. Um, if you're interested, there is a, a very good article um, called "In the West They Laughed at Him: The Mocking Realists of the Babylon, ba- Babylonian Talmud" uh, by Professor Christine Hayes, in which she shows that. Um, that what these cases of mocking have in common is that, or they're all about someone um, proposing a legal fiction and the other side saying that legal fiction is crazy. So it's not just a disagreement, but more of a fundamental methodological uh, disagreement that they have. And that's why the mocking is not simply that, you know, I disagree with this particular law. It's like, you know, you're, you're taking your, um, this philosophy too far. And that is what, what um, so that's what's going on here. Right, Rabbi Yosef is saying that the literal law of taking removing every single hair applies only to one case, Nazir Tameh. Um, but every other case, Nazir Tahor, um, you would um, you could use you could apply the legal fiction. Even though Rabbi Yosef is saying it as a as a challenge, all right, that's how he's that's how he's interpreting um, the uh, implication of this pasuk. So it's that uh, implication that they are mocking and disagree with. And uh, the, so in the West they say, Nazir Basically, saying you can equate the Nazir Tahor and Nazir Tameh. After all, Nazir Tameh, how do you know that he has to use a razor? We learn that from the Nazir Tahor. And so we already opened the connection to say that the, they, we can um, equate their laws. So therefore, let's uh, allow the Nazir Tahor to come and learn something uh, in, in return from Nazir Tameh. Just like Nazir Tameh has to cut every single hair, and if he leaves two, it's no good. So too, Nazir Tahor, he has to cut every single hair, otherwise it's no good. And therefore, we can limit the legal fiction and um, the, the, uh, the, the actual, the real law of removing every single hair um, down to zero or one, that applies to Nazir Tameh for sure. That's the context of the Pasuk. And it will also apply to Nazir Tahor, right? Nazir Tameh and Nazir Tahor. So we're good, at least with those. Um, although for the others, for um, the uh, Mesora and for the Levi, even though the Mishnah said that they also have to cut every hair according to this derivation, uh, we know we would apply the legal fiction there. 
Okay, so fascinating discussion. And now we have a couple of theoretical questions. Let's say you have a Nazir and he shaved his hair, his head, all the hairs of his head except for two. And now, if he then goes on the same day and cuts the other two, then it's fine. He, you know, he can do it in, uh, you know, one, one now and one a little bit later. But what if he waits and now his head all, uh, 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 grew hair again, and then he shaved just those two? So, do those, so does that uh, do those hairs invalidate or not? Do we say, look, in the end? He did shave all every single hair of his head, right? Except that it was uh, at different times. And when he shaved the last two, the other hair already grew in. But he shaved every single hair, so it's okay. Or do we say, no, he has to at some point be totally bald. And, uh, and shave them all in one sitting. And he didn't do that, and so it's no good. Okay, that's a question. We're not going to answer it right now, but we're going to ask an even more difficult question. Uh, so similarly, uh, Nazir uh, cut, uh, shaved all of his, uh, the hairs of his head, except for two. And then he shaved one, but the last one fell out on its own. The problem here is that when we say shave, sh- the act of shaving is defined, or possibly defined as shaving two hairs, right? If it's just one hair, you can't really call that shaving. It's kind of like you know, writing one letter is not writing, writing two letters is only writing. So what do we say? So Ravacha um, says, wait, that's not a problem. Uh, what, what's wrong with that? This, that's an easy one to answer. Uh, what, if you shave hair by hair, right? So would that be a problem? No, if you're shaving, you know, you're shaving uh, one hair at a time, but then you go and you're shaving all, all the, uh, everything. So that would certainly be called shaving. Uh, so you're shaving the entire head except for two. And then some minutes later, you shave another Another one, so we'll connect that one with the shaving from before, and now you have just one left that happened to fall out. So that is that should be totally fine. Rather, no, we're talking about the op- turn it turn it the opposite way. He shaved all of his hair except for two hairs, but then one fell out, and then he shaved the last very one. Uh, what about that? So uh, the answer is Sorry, there's no act of shaving here and there's also no hair left. So you're, in, you're really in trouble um, because one fell out. So you had, he did everything except for two. All that shaving is not valid because there's two left. And now one, now if he shaves the last two, fine, but one fell out. So now he can't do an act of shaving anymore. Um, uh, so even if he shaves the last one, it's no good, right? So that's his point. Now we're just going to clarify. Hold on. Wait a second. If there's no hair, then there is shaving. If there's no hair, that means he shaved it all, right? So shouldn't that be good? No. That is what he meant to say. He just said it in a, a bit of a witty um, way. Even though there is no hair left, still he didn't do the mitzvah of shaving because he was down to the last two. So it all depends on the those last two, he has to shave them both, and an act of shaving is defined as shaving at least two, but then one fell out, and so now there's one left, and you can't do an act of shaving on one hair. So even though he shaved the last hair, that's not considered an act of shaving, and therefore, 
um, there is no mitzvah of shaving, and he's going to have to do the whole thing all over again. All right, now uh, next Mishnah. Nazir chofef um faspes avalo sorek. A nazir can chofef, chafifa, he can shampoo his head and, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, scrub it. He can also separate his hairs with, uh, with his fingers, but he cannot use a comb. All right, let's see the Gemara's explanation. So who would this follow? Which opinion? So it seems like the beginning of this uh, is Rabbi Shimon who says, if you don't have intention to uh, to violate, then it's permitted. We're familiar with Rabbi Shimon from Hilchot Shabbat, where similarly Rabbi Shimon says, right, if I'm trying to get a chair from here to, to there on the grass, and I drag it, and even though it very well may make a furrow, but that's my, not my intention. I just want to get it over there so I can sit over there. So that's called Davash Emit Kaven. I don't have intention for my my intention is not to um, uh, to make a pharaoh. I don't care about the pharaoh. My intention is for something else. So the Bishimon says that's permitted. Similar doesn't only apply to Chot Shabbat. Applies here as well. So since he's he's rubbing his hair, um, and it could be that he's fall, it will fall out. But his intention is not to pull his hair out. His intention is only to clean his hair. So that's permitted. Fine. That would be that would be to be Shimon. Um, but then, if you continue reading, but he cannot sorek, he cannot comb. Why not? According to the Bishimon, when you comb your hair, isn't your intention to make it straight, to make it look nice, take out the knots? And it's not allowed. So it must be that this uh, Rabbi Shimon would permit it. So it must be that the Sefa is Rabbanan who say, Davash Mitkaven is prohibited. But then the beginning should also be prohibited. In other words, what's the difference between uh, scrubbing with shampoo, separating with, with fingers, and combing? And the answer is Resha, Rabbi Shimon, Sefa. So we question Resha, Rabbi Shimon, Sefa, the Banan. What do you have, two authors within just uh, six words? Uh, so no, And no, in fact, all of the Mishnah is the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, and that explains the first cases that he's just shampooing. He doesn't mean to take anything out, so it could be some things will fall out, but that's okay because that was not his intention. However, when you're combing hair, combing hair, part of your intention of combing the hair is in fact to remove those stray hairs, right? You want to, you want to get them out. And so it's um, not just inevitable or almost inevitable that hairs are going to come out. That is included in your intention. Yes, you want to make your hair straight. You want to remove knots, but you also want to get out, uh, remove uh, those stray hairs. And therefore, that is davar that you are mitkaven um, to violate. And that's why even the Bishimon prohibits that. All right, very good. Next Mishnah, Rabbi Ishmael Omer, If you are shampooing, uh, we just said that that's permitted, but Rabbi Ishmael gives a qualification. You cannot use um, uh, earth. Uh, they would use like minerals, different things that were very coarse and they would they're good cleaning agents, but because they're so coarse, they actually will for sure remove hair and um and maybe a lot of it and so that is not permitted you have to use just uh, you know liquid shampoo or something softer okay 
Okay, question. When, when Bozi, what's the exact wording or meaning of this Mishnah? Is it Mipene Shehi Masheret? Is it because you cannot use earth because it will remove the hair? Or is it Mipene Ha Masheret? You cannot use earth because of, we're worried about the type of earth that will for sure cause hair, cause hair removal. Um, now, what, what would be the difference, practical difference between putting, putting a hair, putting shehi masheret or mipineham masheret? Let's say you have a type of earth that is soft, not coarse, and it won't uh, cause the hair to be removed. So if you say that because uh, don't use earth because it makes the hair uh, it makes the hair fall out. Then, if you have a fine, if you find some earth that doesn't make your hair fall out, then that worry doesn't apply. That's, that's permitted, right? It's just each you um, uh, evaluate each substance. However, but if you say don't use any earth because we're worried that then you will come to use the type of earth that does remove your hair. Well, in that case, that then the the gezerah uh, uh, is built into the Mishnah. It says, don't use earth, um, because we're worried about the type of earth that removes hair. And in that case, even if you have some earth that doesn't remove hair, you can't use it. Teko, we don't have a, an answer to that. We leave it standing. All right, good. Next Mishnah, which we actually studied already. Um, so a Nazir who's drinking wine the whole day long, he's sitting in the bar, he keeps on drinking, that entire drinking bout is only, he only violates once, as one, one violation, and so would only get one set of lashes. However, if there are people there saying, don't drink, and then he takes a drink, and then uh, they tell him, warn to give him another warning. No, don't drink. Don't you know if you're a Nazir? You're, you're a Nazir. If you drink, you're going to get lashes. And then he drinks again. So in that case, the warnings, the Hatra'ah, separates each act into a separate liability, and therefore he is liable to each and every act. Similarly, he's shaving all day. Um, I guess he's shaving very slowly. I don't know, one hair at a time. And he's shaving for a long time. Uh, um, so he only violates one act of a shaving. We consider that entire act to be one bout. But let's say between every hair or few hairs, someone says, gives him a warning. Oh, don't shave that one. Don't shave. Don't shave that one, or else you're going to get punished. And he does it anyway. So again, the warnings separate the acts into separate bouts of liability. And similarly, if he be if he is lamet um, all day long, he's constantly he's walking around in the cemeteries. He's uh, he's in a constant state of tuma. Then that's just one violation. But if someone says, you know, don't go to that grave, and he does, and then they warn him again, right? Don't keep walking in the cemetery, right? Get out. And he's and he does anyway. He um, he keeps uh, um, either going in and out or staying in the cemetery. Then he violates each and every act. Um, 
okay and is liable to multiple um sets of um sets of lashes all right good now itemar amaraba amaravuna mikramaledi ber hakatuv lo yitama Rabba, the third generation, Amoran Bavel, says in the name of his teacher, Rav Huna, the second generation. We're going to see there's going to be another interpretation of Rav Huna by Rav Yosef. That's why this is important. Um, so Rabba reports that um, the, we, we learn a lot of things from one pasuk. Uh, this pasuk, Lo Yitama. Let's look at the pasuk inside. Um, so we're talking about a nazir al nefesh met lo yavo lo yavo. We're going to learn something from here that a de, uh, a nazir is not allowed to enter into a tent or home enclosure in which there is a corpse. Furthermore, Levi lo yitama lahem bemotam. A nazir is similar to a kohen gadol. It cannot even become tameh to a relative. Ki nezer elohav al rosho, because he has this uh, the crown of nezirut on his head. Now lo um, So from this we learn he cannot become tame lamet in any way. And um, that includes three possible ways in which one can become tame lamet. Number one, contact. Actually, just touching a corpse makes one tame. Second, by carrying it. Even if you're not touching it, if you're carrying right uh, a mattress upon which a dead person is, even if you're not no contact, but just carrying the weight of it makes someone tame. And third, the tent impurity. Uh, so this includes lo yitama, yitama, passive in any way. Okay, now when it says lo yavo, what do we need lo yavo? He shall not come enter into the presence of tumat met. So that comes to warn him against being tamelamet and specifically of entering into a tent. So therefore, if um, a nazir um, touches a dead body or carries it, they violate one, lo yitama. But if they enter into a, a home, a tent where there's a corpse, then they violate two violations, lo yitama and lo yavo. The end of this sugya, we'll talk about the exact case in which one can simultaneously uh, uh, um, uh, trigger both of these prohibitions. Okay, however, tuma vituma lo, if a nazir is already tameh, and then he goes and becomes tameh again, well then, that's no 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 lashes for that, right? If you're already, he's already tameh lamet, and then he goes and uh, becomes tameh lamet, Again, that that there's no lashes. That is the opinion of Rabbah in the name of Rav Huna. However, Rav Yosef Amad Haidohim Amad Rav Huna Filutuma Vituma. Rav Yosef says no. That's not what our teacher said. Rav Huna said he can become if even if he's already tame, he can in fact become tame again, and he would get lashes again. We're going to see. They're going to quote the Mishnah as a proof. This, by the way, is going to be significant because. We're going to see in a second that we, we compare a Nazir to a Kohen. And this is an extremely relevant halakha. Uh, kohen is not, a, not allowed to become Tameh Met. But incidentally, a Kohen can become Tameh in other ways. right? If a Kohen has a dead mouse in his house, he's allowed to touch it, take it out, even though that's Tumat Sheretz. There's no prohibition of a, of a Kohen to become a, to, uh, to other forms of Tumat. Only to, to matmet. Okay, now, if a Kohen, so Kohen cannot become Tamelamet, what if he already is Tamelamet? And nowadays, everybody is Tamelamet. If you've ever been 
ever been to uh, a, a, a funeral home, a cemetery, a hospital, right? Places where there are potentially uh, or, or actually are um, uh, dead dead uh, bodies. So therefore, since pretty much everybody is Tameh Lamet nowadays, so would there be a prohibition too for them to become Tameh once again? So it would actually depend on this very Machloket. that Avad says that if a Kohen is Tameh, he is permitted to become Tameh again, and that would not be a problem. So that would mean that nowadays Kohanim could go and be doctors and go into cemeteries and all that. However, um, Halakha is not like the Ravad. Nobody says so. Um, and even the Ravad maybe only meant there's no punishment or well, if he's holding on to a, a, a corpse currently, then he can then he can touch another one. Um, but Rambam says no. Even though a kohen is tamei lamet, he is not allowed to become tamei lamet again. So that is the practical halacha for kohanim, and that's why it is a problem, even though they are already tamei lamet. Okay. So now back to Nazir, we have this machlok. As Rav Huna says, it is a problem. Nazir, according to Rav Here, Rav Huna himself says that a Nazir who was already in the cemetery and they passed him his uh, 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 a body of his uh, relative, uh, Nazir is not allowed to become Tameh for a relative. But now, let's say he violated here and now he's already Tameh Lamet, so he's liable once. And then they passed him another uh, dead body. I guess, you know, while you're you're there, uh, listen, you know, you're carrying yours while you're there. Listen, uh, we're going to pass you another deceased person. And so since he's already Tamel Amet from the first one, and now he touches the second one, Venagabo Hayav, he nevertheless is liable again for the second one, even though he was already Tamel Lamet. So Davuna said this. Now, Amai, Hamit Tameh Vekaim, why should he be liable? He was already Tamel Lamet. So we see that Ravuna says explicitly that, yes, you can become Tameh. You are liable for becoming Tameh again and again. So that is Rav Yosef's challenge, and he seems to have a direct quote from Rav, uh, from Rav Huna. Okay, now, Itibe Abaye. Um, Abaye is now going to challenge Rav Yosef from based on Abraita and say, no, no, it looks like uh, one should not become liable twice. Here's the Braita. Kohen lo met munach al ketefo. Okay, we're learning, now we can go do the comparison to a Kohen. A Kohen had a dead body and he was carrying it on his shoulder. Okay, that, so that causes the Kohen to be Tameh. And then, while he's already Tameh, so they send him this corpse of his, let's say, his relative, and then yet another one. It could be talking about a Kohen Gadol, who's not allowed to be Tameh even for a relative. Or a regular Kohen, who's, if he's... Um, um, uh, a, a touching a body that uh, is, is not a relative, or even if it is a relative, he still is Tameh Lamet. Okay, so they send him, he says, while you're there and you're carrying one already, here, uh, take this this uh, body. Um, so can it be that he would be chayav for touching the second body? That's why no, but uh, not so. Because the Pasuk says, He shall not profane, meaning if he is not already whole, 
But if someone is already chol, meaning already tameh, then he is not liable. So we see from here that regarding a kohen who is already tameh and then touches another de- another dead body, we do not apply the um, the liability to him. And so this is a challenge to Rav Yosef because of the Braita that says there is no tumah after tumah. Then how could Rav how could Ravuna say that there is tumah after tumah? So Rav Yosef says, hold on, I have my own source, Tanaetic source. In fact, and that's our, our very own Mishnah. And our Mishnah says, if he's walking around the cemetery all day long, that's one span. Fine, that's only one. But if they separate and say, don't become Tameh, don't become Tameh, wait, or he's, and he's liable to each and every one. Why? Isn't he already Tameh Lamet? So what's the difference if they warn him or not warn him? How could you ever be Tameh? How could you ever be liable more than once? Oh, so we see from here that there is Tumah after Tumah from this Mishnah. So now we have a problem not at the Amoraic level, but rather at the Tanaitic level. We have a, Mish- a Baraita and a Mishnah that contradict each other. Ela Kasha Hadadeh. So instead of asking the question to me, um, Rav Yosef says, let's, let's both together solve this Baraita and Mishnah. So we answer, La Kashya kan behiburin, kan shelo behiburin. The Baraita is talking about concurrent or connected. Um, in other words, if a Kohen is already holding on to one dead body, and that was the case there. And at the same time, they pass him another one. So since he's already touching a dead body, and then they they pass him another one, there they, we don't we do not apply liability after liability because he's already in contact with the first one. Whereas in the Mishnah, uh, that's talking about shelo bechiburin. That's talking about a case where he went and, uh, and and touched one body, and then he then he walked away. Um, and then, you know, they warn him, hey, don't do it again. And then he goes back and touches uh, the same body or another body. In that case, since there is a separation between them, he's not connected to both of them. That's why it says Hayav here. So that explains why um, in the case of a Kohen, of the Braita, um, that's okay. It's, it, it's, uh, he's, it does not have another liability because he's already Tamehmet and he's touching both of them. So it's concurrent and it's connected. But if he separates and is no, no longer at, touching at the same time, then it does produce an extra Tum'ah. Um, and so that not only solves the contradiction, but also uh, Rav Yosef answers uh, Rav Yosef's interpretation of, for Rav Una. Yes, there is Tum'ah after Tum'ah um, as long as it's not concurrent. Okay, now that we mentioned this phrase, chiburin, we're going to have to clarify because actually chiburin can refer to two different cases as we're going to answer here. Uh, one is touching two corpses at the same time, one person, and the other is if person A is touching a corpse and person B touches person A. So in the question level, we're assuming that it would be the same law. And we say, Wait a second, is Tum'ah of, that's concurrent, even a Deoraita to begin with, that you had to go and answer, oh, there's no liability because it's touching uh, concurrently. Wait a second, this entire uh, type of Tum'ah is, does not apply Deoraita, it's only Derabanan. Uh, how so? Rabbi Anai says that 
um, they only said, when it's talking about they said, we're talking about the, the rabbis, right? They applied this Tumah Bechiborin only for Tirman Kodashim. Here's the scenario. A is touching a, a corpse. So A is Tameh Deoraita, seven days, all that. B touches A. So B, we say, is also Tameh for seven days if they're all touching each other at the same time. If they're not touching, if A now is not touching the corpse and B touches A, then it's only Tameh for one day. But if they're touching at the same time, even B is Tameh for seven days. However, that only applies for B eating Tiruman Kodashim. He has to treat himself as if he's Tameh Lamet and he has to stay away for seven days. So that's for only for Chumrah. But for Nazir and Pesach, we do not say so. Why? Uh, Nazir, what we'll say is, listen, that Nazir, wait seven days. Don't count those seven days. But it doesn't, um, it doesn't cancel the days you did before, and you don't have to bring korbanot. There, because because we can't be, we can be machmir, but we can't be mekel. And if we tell a nazir you're the same as tamemet, he's going to bring korbanot. You can't bring the korbanot, korban hatat, if you don't have to. So for a nazir, we do not treat him like a tamemet. Pesach is simpler, easier to understand. Um, if, an, uh, if you have someone who's within uh, two days of Pesach and he and that's B and he touches A touching a corpse. If we tell him sorry, you're in your Tameh for seven days, then he won't be able to eat Korban Pesach or prepare Korban Pesach. And then he's gonna that's a karet, that's a problem. So we're not gonna be um we're not gonna be lenient on him to say now no you don't do Korban Pesach. So therefore we do not apply this Tirabanan to Nazir and Pesach, but only the Khumra for um Tiruma and Kodashim. Now if it was a Tum'ah de Oraita, then there would be no difference. That's it. You know, sorry, Nazir, you have to do it all over again, bring Korbanot, Pesach, sorry you can't bring your Korban Pesach. We don't say that. So you see that the whole the whole the, the whole um, prohibition of Tum'ah uh, Bechiburin is only Drabanan. And therefore, back in that Baraita, what are you talking about? That he's all touching one and touching the other, and you say, oh, there's no liability. It would be a no, of course, there's no liability. The whole thing is only Drabanan in the first place. So we answer, no, there's two, the, we, we use the same word. It's confusing. Kan Adam Adam, Kan Adam Bemet. Um, here we're talking about um, a person touching another person. That's what Abiyah is talking about. Person A, B, touching person A, who is touching a corpse. That is only the Rabbanan. It, only, it does not apply to Nazir. However, that Braita was talking about Chibur Adam Bemet. If one person is touching two corpses at the same time, and he's a Kohen or a Nazir. In that case, he by when if, if he's already touching one and he touches a second one, no added liability. Now that we resolved all the questions against Rav Yosef's uh, interpretation of Rav Huna, now we're going to turn back to Rabba. Uh, so requoting what Rabba had said, he said He said that a Nazir that's already Tamer Lamet. And then becomes Tameh Lamet again, no liability because he was already Tameh. And so he, Rabbah doesn't have a problem of uh, Tumah after Tumah. Here's the question. If you remember, um, that original statement that we uh, quoted uh, said that one, if a, um, uh, we learn a lot of things from the Pasuk and uh, from the Pasuk, let's get it again, um, uh, from this Pasuk, we learn any of the three ways. And from we learn that with tent impurity, he is liable two times um, for entering into a tent. 
Now, here's the question. If the person, what's the case? If he was Tameh already, and then um, he entered into a tent and now became Tameh again, so then it wouldn't be a problem because he was already Tameh. So, and, you know, so what, why, why would he, and you're allowed to become Tameh, Nazir is allowed to become Tameh if he was already Tameh. So if he was already Tameh and then he entered into a house, he wouldn't, he wouldn't violate anything at all. So how would it be a case where you violate being Tameh and entering into a tent? Um, now, for Rav Yosef's interpretation of Huna, this is not a problem because he said that a Nazir can be, is liable every time they become Tameh. And therefore, even if they touched a corpse outside and then they went and entered into a uh, tent with a corpse, then they are violating again becoming Tameh and Lo Yavo, that's why it's twice. But according to Rabbah, who, who says, no, you're not, uh, you don't violate Tum'ah after already being Tameh. So if you're already Tameh and then you enter the house, you didn't, you, there's, no, there's no violation. Um, there's no double violation. Okay, um, there'll be no violation at all. All right. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, kan bebayit, kan beseder. Rabbi Yochanan says, I can explain it to you. Um, uh, here, one case is where we're talking about entering into a house. Um, when Rav Huna says that, according to Rabbah, that you're liable to both, that's when he was not tameh at all, and he was outside, he was tahor, and then he enters into a house. Because he enters into a house with a corpse, so he becomes tameh lamet, and enter into, enters into a house simultaneously, and that's why he gets both prohibitions. Whereas, um, when 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 it would it be possible to be to violate only once? If you're in a field and you touch a corpse, so then you violate only lo yitama, but you do not violate lo yavo. Okay, so that's a simple answer, but not quite so simple. Hold on. Wait a second. Even if you're entering in a, a house, you know, if you're entering and you're swinging your arms and then one's hand enters into the house first, already just inserting a hand makes the whole person and so when they and their body enters the house a second later, they already are tame lamet. And so you would not add another a second prohibition. So you see that is a problem. That's impossible because um, uh, to have them concurrent. So Ela Amarbi El Azar Seref Yado Mishum Tumaika Mishum Bia Leka. Rabbi El Azar explains is you're right. If he inserted his hand first. Then he would be Tameh Lamet, but he would not be, uh, be ha, violate entering into the house because he already was Tameh when his body entered. But I have a better solution. What if he keeps his, his hands at his side or behind him and then he enters into the house with his, just with his body and his hands behind his back? So in that case, um, aha, he, so that case that would work because his body is entering into the house and he was simultaneously becoming Tamelamet and entering the house. And that's how he gets two, two violations at once. But we say, no, that also doesn't work. But his nose would enter first, right? You're going, you're entering in and your nose is sticking out just a little bit and that doesn't take long. Um, and so the, the, the nose makes him, since the nose is inside, that makes his body Tameh. And then a half second later, when the rest of his body enters, he was already Tameh Lamet. 
And if you're already Tamei Lamet, according to Rabbah, you don't get a second Tum'ah, so there will be no violation of Lo Yavo. So that's not good either. Ela Amarava. Mishum Tum'aika Mishum Bi'aleka. You're right. If he entered his hand, put his hand in first, then there would be a problem of Tum'ah. Uh, he would violate Tum'ah, but he would not violate Bi'ah entering into the house because he was already Tameh. But let's say he, he goes in with his body. Um, you know, he kind of uh, sticks out his chest and uh, puts his nose back, his head back, and that way his, his actual body is entering before his nose, before his arms, before anything else. So then that would work, right? No, still no good. Certainly, his toes would enter first. He has to walk in somehow. And so when he takes a step, his toe is entering the house first. That's making him tamet lamet. But he, his body, right, the, the prohibition of entrance replies to his, his torso, um, has not yet entered. And so he would violate one first and then... Once he's Tamel Amet, he wouldn't he would not violate Lo Yavo. So we don't have a solution. So finally, El Amara Papa. Ah, here we have a case where a person enters into uh, Nazir enters into a house in a chest, a box, or a cabinet. It would be sufficiently big, more than 40 se'ah, such that it protected the person inside from, uh, tum, uh, from, from tent impurity. So he'd be fine. And then someone comes and opens it up. And so, uh, with his knowledge and, and, and uh, agreement. And that way, he violates both at the same time. As soon as he opens it up, he enters into the space, because he was in a separate space before, in a separate enclosure, and he becomes Tamei Lamet. And there you go. That, here we have such a case where, even according to Rabbah, one can violate both at the same time. Mor barava she'amar, kegon da'yel keshu goses, unfak dishmate adiyatib, ka'atyan. Or yet another solution, um, he enters into the home when there's a person there who is alive, but on his deathbed. He's, uh, he's uh, uh, going to uh, pass, pass away uh, at any moment. And so then he's sitting there in the house. So he didn't violate entering into a house with a corpse because the guy's still alive. right? Not dead yet. And uh, so, and then he dies while he's there. So the second that the person, the patient dies, then he um, fills the, uh, 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 creates tent impurity. And the Nazir who's sitting there um, enters into a house with a corpse and becomes Tamer Lamet at exactly the same split second. And that's how he, um, and that's how he violates both at the same time. We can learn something incidentally, incidentally from this, that it is, it can be a problem for a Kohen to enter into a home of a goses. Um, if he wants to visit, you know, someone on his deathbed or so on, there's a lot of halachic discussion about that, um, whether or not a Kohen can, is permitted to do that, or if the person is about to die any second, then the Kohen should pre- be, pre- prevent themselves from the possibility being in the room as the person dies, and then um, adding an adding to matmet to themselves. All right, very interesting and uh, some somewhat applicable laws. Baruch Adonai leolam. Amen. Ve'amen.